The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Want to earn extra cash for the holidays? Amazon Flex is expanding in the San Francisco Bay Area. Opportunities in Richmond, Oakland, and Daly City. Earn around $20 to $27 an hour delivering packages with Amazon. All you need is a car, a smartphone, and some free time. This is a great opportunity to be your own boss, deliver when you want, and make extra money. With Amazon Flex, you'll have flexible hours and great earnings. To get started, download the app at flex.amazon.com. That's F-L-E-X.amazon.com. You must be at least 21 years old. Limited opportunities available. Get started at flex.amazon.com. Welcome to the Two Robbies podcast. I'm Robbie Earl. He's Robbie Musto, and we're delighted to have a special guest with us on a pretty special Monday. Arlo White join us. In fact, I'm going to start that all again. This is the Arlo White show with guests, the Two Robbies. We're great to have us with him. Arlo, you just finished a, a great call from the KP Stadium where Leicester ran all over Liverpool, we'll have to say. Tell us, Arlo, what it was like before the game during the game and after the game at this emotional match at the KP? Well, good evening, Robbies, both of you. Great to be on. Um, what an extraordinary night. I, I don't think anyone could have predicted what has happened. You know, and full disclosure, as I said on camera earlier, Robbie, that I am from the city of Leicester. I think that's a well-known fact now. I've grown up here, you know, my formative years watching football, spent at the double-decker at the old Filbert Street Stadium, a stone's throw away from where I'm, I'm sitting now. Um, and I've got a lot of friends and family, obviously, in the city. And it is a city completely divided over the subject of Claudio Ranieri's sacking. So I was looking forward to getting to the ground tonight. I got here about four or five hours before the game. I could barely wait to get here. Just to try and gauge the atmosphere and get a sense of, of what people were feeling. Some were disgusted with the decision to sack the man that, you know, that made all their dreams come true. And others, others were a bit more realistic and pragmatic about it and thought the owners had made the right choice. So at kickoff, I felt that everyone was unified, actually, regardless of that situation, behind the 11 players that were out on the field. And we saw a nice tribute to, to Claudio in the 65th minute with the mobile phones and the, and the Claudio Ranieri song. But it was a, almost a fairy tale on the night that Leicester were 3-0 up to enable them to do that. So I was looking forward to the atmosphere. What I experienced, Rob, was a unified um, set of fans um, and it's certainly a, a buoyant, rejuvenated set of players. And what we saw in front of us was, was a remarkable performance that was reminiscent of last season. Arlo, you've, um, it's Robbie Musto here. Uh, thanks for coming on, mate. Um, you've, of course, been close to this team and the performances. You've seen lots of their games. I mean, it struck me, and it must have struck everybody, the difference in energy, effort level, determination, mm -hmm. togetherness, happiness. I mean, the fans did an amazing job as well in, in kind of awkward circumstances really going into this with the atmosphere. But, I mean, in terms of where it kind of reflects worse on, Claudio Ranieri, does it look worse on him that he couldn't get this out of the players? Or is it worse from the players that they didn't want to do this for him? It's really interesting, Robbie, isn't it? And, mm. and you know, we'll get to the bottom of this one day, um, exactly what happened. 
Um, I, I went to Seville last week just as a, a, a short city break there with a bit of Champions League football involved. And I was on BDO, BBC Radio Leicester from, from the main square. And the presenter asked me, what should Claudio Ranieri do in this situation? And my, my answer to him was, what got you to this point in the first place? The 10 players that are still there, that, that turned in performance after performance, week in, week out last year, plus Wilfred and Didi in the unenviable role of N'Golo Kante. He didn't do that in Seville, uh, but he did bring Damari Gray on the second half, and Leicester did look better in the second half. And then the rest, you know, after a 2-1 defeat, the rest, as they say, is history with Ranieri getting fired. I thought it was telling that Craig Shakespeare went for that 10 championship winners yeah. plus Wilford Ndidi. And their identity from the word go was back. They look comfortable in their own skins. Ndidi grew into the role. He's not going to be an N'Golo Kante. There is no such thing as another N'Golo Kante. There are only two N'Golo Kantes, aren't there? <laughs> as Steve Walsh famously said last year. But Ndidi's growing with every game. He's only 20 years old. But Drinkwater looked... looked Sharper tonight, look more comfortable. Vardy playing slightly higher, full of running, ball over the top, chasing everything. All Brighton did well. Mares looked to, you know, sort of the player that he was last season. But the back four looked firmer, didn't they? Simpson was excellent. Suddenly, Morgan and, and Huth are winning everything in the air. Schmeichel made a couple of good saves. I mean, Christian Fuchs has turned in some dire performances, but he was right at it tonight as well. So, I don't know how he did it. And Graham Lasso and I, who did the call tonight, chaps, we said it, it might be, you know, you send this team out uh, and you hope for an improved performance. You hope the energy's back and the effort is back. And you hope they turn in a performance against Liverpool in what will probably be a losing effort. But at least they're going to make a statement. Uh, but you can't flick a switch. And you two know much better than me to be in this situation where as a squad you can suddenly flick a switch and get back to the old days. Well, it turns out you can, and I think it's telling. So, to answer your question, does it reflect badly on Claudia? Well, it does a little bit, but nothing can take away what he achieved last season. Does it reflect badly on the players? Well, maybe there's more to it. Maybe they're getting back to the system that they're comfortable with, and that's the way that they play. That's their identity. Did they, did they give up on Claudia? Perhaps in a way they did, so that reflects badly on them. But it, it, but it appears, and there is an element, only after 90 minutes, of vindication in the decision. Olo, there was you had an interview with Jonathan Norcroft from the the Times, who wrote the book Fearless, following the story of Leicester's fairy tale last season. And without it, it sounding obvious, it, it could be that we were slightly misled with some of the players going to owners and players having a say in Ranieri's mm. sacking. In that the owners are, are the kind of hands-on owners that are very much around the training ground, have a good relationship with the players. Yeah. And I was also thinking from a player's point of view, although, and I said to Liam in, in the broadcast that sometimes when things are going off, off, off the pitch and you're getting difficult questions asked by journalists and reporters and people are saying things on social media, the one place you can go and kind of enjoy yourself is the football pitch. And I almost felt the players looked like they were happy to be on the pitch and let their football do the talking for them today. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. I mean, what they've done probably over the last you know four or five days is retreat back into themselves mm. and regroup. Um, and it's important to remember, and, and I felt it important to get Jonathan Northcroft onto the broadcast tonight because I thought that he wrote a piece, and I recommend that everyone try, and I know there might be a paywall situation with the Times, but I thought he, he wrote the most balanced, insightful piece about this whole situation that I've read. Uh, I, since Thursday, I've looked at the, the, and listened to and read 
utter hysteria uh, and people losing their minds about this situation, Leicester found themselves in this in this unenviable scenario, trapped in a fairy tale that the world had watched and they were beguiled by it. And the, the name Leicester City was used as a as a tale of, of daring do. You know, kids were being told this story. If you're determined and you put your head down and you work hard and you're together, you can you can achieve these magnificent things. All of which was absolutely true. The difference between reality and football and fairy tales is you can read a fairy tale a thousand times, close the book, the ending never changes. In football you have day one of the following season and you've got to continue. Now they had a decision to make. Do we stick with Claudio Ranieri? And and we haven't scored a goal in 2017. We've been knocked out of the FA Cup by by uh, third tier opposition. You know, improved performance against Seville, but by and large, the players don't look happy. The owners have been spending time around the training ground. All is clearly not well. But do we go down with Claudio Ranieri because we can't? We can't sack the guy that made everybody's dreams come true. Or do we take on the role of villains and bad guys by saying to this man, thank you for everything, we're going to go in a different direction because we've got to stay up. Now, if, if Leicester City had three more wins before tonight and had 30 points, Claudio Ranieri would still be in the job. The owners, from what I can see and from what I've heard, aren't interested in defending the Premier League title. They're not interested in going back into the Champions League in the top four. Mid-table would have been absolutely fine. Let's have a little adventure in the Champions League and see where it takes us. It's when the, the very real threat of relegation reared its ugly head that they felt compelled to act. No, there weren't any meetings. There wasn't a meeting at the Radisson Blue Hotel at East Midlands Airport when they got back from Seville. There's been a lot of incredibly inaccurate reporting about this whole situation amidst this hysteria that Leicester are the bad guys. And, and I know it's a brutal, brutal decision. But what's becoming clear, and this is what Jonathan wrote about, and you just mentioned it there, Rob, is that the, the owners are present. They're around the club, at the training ground, uh, attending every game. They organise things for the families. They're there to help the players. So they have a pre-existing relationship with the, with the Leicester City squad, a majority of them, that actually predates Claudio Ranieri and goes back to the Nigel Pearson era. So this is a bond that's been forged before Claudio arrived. Claudio was a component, a very important, but a component part of a larger project that, that, that just worked, that came together and worked. Now, was he vital? Absolutely. Should he have a statue? Absolutely. But was it the right decision by the owners at this point in the season, at Leicester where they are, I believe it was, and I believed it, chaps, before tonight. And tonight, you know, 90 minutes doesn't a season make. They're still going to replicate this because they're still in big, big trouble. But I think the decision was correct. I think the hysteria at times has been ridiculous. And I think now everybody can move on. Rob, Robbie Earl, let me, let me throw this at you. Go and on. we'll get Arlo's take on it as well. And it's a different kind of thought on it. And the, the Leicester players have been up for a lot of criticism yep. uh, about meetings and, and Arlo stated there that there was no big kind of bunch of players going to the chairman. But what I would say is that their meetings were done on the, fit, on the pitch on Saturdays. The meetings were there. The evidence was there. Yeah. And my question is, Rob, is there ever a time when it's actually okay for a group of players to, to, to kind of put this message over to the club, to the fans, to the ownership to say, look... We're not very good. And 
I'm almost saying, Rob, was it the right thing for them to do? It's, it's a broken marriage, a broken relationship between the manager and the groups of players. Are the players, do to, to, to you thank the players in some crazy way? I mean, I know when Arlo says it's just one game. Mm. Um, do, do the players deserve, you know, maybe credit for saying, you know what, we, we, we love the guy, but we had to show somehow to everybody that it was not working, his decision-making, the signings, but, the but, tinkering. But, but is there a way, Rob, that the, the players actually did well I, over this? I, I'm not sure, Rob. I think there's a and code a of conduct that, that you know that, that goes on in football and all those, you've been around football enough, that there's, there's a code of conduct where there's certain things that don't come out of dressing rooms, that you don't step over lines. I don't think a group of yeah, players... They, no, and just to finish my point, yeah. it, ever should, get, should be in a position where they say... Let's go to the, to the owners and tell them we're not happy with this guy. I don't think that's right. I've been in situations, and I don't know if, if situations where you have a good relationship with the owner and he asks you a question as a, as a senior professional, as a captain of a football club or whatever, I think you have the right and, and you should answer I don't like honestly. That. I don't like that either. Whether you like it or not, Rob, those are the things that happen. And, and I've been in that situation where I was asked. Now, I can't just say, oh, I don't like it. I'm not going to tell you. This is a guy who runs a club who pays my salary. So I, I, I responded in, in, in the correct manner. Now, in terms of performances, it, eventually it only ever comes to, to, to what's happening at the pitch and sometimes what's going on around the club in terms of the training ground and things. We're forgetting that the relationship maybe with Craig Shakespeare possibly broke down, with some of the other backroom staff it possibly broke down. People are suggesting... Was it Steve Walsh who left the football club? Maybe broke down. Mm. So maybe it's not just this group of players, Rob. Maybe there's a sort of continuing trend that the owners have started to feel and thought, OK, maybe we need to look at this and address it. And by doing that, by the way, these guys are also very smart businessmen. They knew what they were doing by sacking Claudio Ranieri. He's, he's everybody's favourite, favourite manager. You know, outside of, you know, where he differs from Mourinho, only Chelsea fans love Josie Mourinho. Everybody else doesn't really like Josie Mourinho. It's different for Ranieri. Everybody loved Ranieri, and the Leicester fans did. So this was a big, tough decision for them to make, and I think they have every right to make it, Rob. But I don't think players should be going to, to, to owners and saying, yeah, not sure about this guy. Let, let me ask Arlo this. I mean, just looking at the, the way that the players today and the manager kind of work so well together. Is there a, and I'm speculating here, Arlo, but just help me out a little bit. Is there a mm. sense that Craig Shakespeare got kind of a little bit alienated from the squad and the players potentially really like what Craig Shakespeare has brought in and didn't agree with Ranieri playing his new signings that weren't doing it? Is there a sense that, oh, you know, mm. we've got the guy we wanted in charge. We're going to show him and the fans and everybody at TV and all around the world that this is the guy that we want. Is there a sense that it's the team and Shakespeare against Ranieri and this is the way it's going to continue? Absolutely spot on, Robbie. I mean, it was um, if you watched a lot of the games of late, and we've been at a few of them, uh, we were at the Man United home defeat, at the Chelsea home defeat. Both games, Leicester started reasonably well. The crowd are into it. And as soon as they concede a goal, you know, the whole thing falls apart. And, and I noted, and a few of my pals in the, in the stands noted as well, that Ranieri and Shakespeare barely communicated with, with each other at all. Mm. And, and that can't be a good thing because everyone was on the same page last season. And, and Robbie's just mentioned um, Steve Walsh. He was a vital part um, of, of this whole scenario. You know, the head of scouting, the man that unearthed Mares, unearthed uh, Vardy. He had to talk Ranieri into playing and go low Kante because if you remember back when, when uh, Ranieri came to the club, 
his guy in central midfield was Gokan Inla, and he wanted to go with Inla, yeah. and it was Walsh who implored him, pleaded with him, go with Kante. And, in, and, and Ranieri admits this. In the end, I, I went with Kante because Steve Walsh kept going on about it, and he was right. He was right, you know. So th- there was a, a committee behind the scenes. That, uh, you know, Ranieri's genius when he came in was to identify the players that he had, the system that he had. He listened to Shakespeare. He listened to Walsh. And it was brilliant. It's when he started to try and do things his own way that you arguably the wheel started to come off. Mm. So now Shakespeare's front and centre again. Yeah. Now whether he gets the job full time on, I don't know. That's a huge leap. What do you think, Shakespeare? The job full time, but he was definitely what alienated. What do you think, Arlo? On that, I mean, the way, the way I saw it today, I, th- I tweeted out after the first half. I, s- I kind of said, "Listen, I know this is new jerky, but you've got to give him the, the job to the end of the season with this kind of reaction." Do you think the fans mm. want that? Uh, they were they were singing shaky shaky give us a wave, <laughs> which, which said a lot. He has been there to, to this entire journey. I would urge caution. Just I mean, the, the owners will know better. As as we're as the the picture we're getting now, Rob, is that the owners are far more embroiled in the day to day machinations behind the scenes at Leicester City, so it can take the temperature of the club behind the scenes. Um, than, than anyone on the outside. So they'll know what the players will want here. And they may say, you know what, this is what you want. Let's go with Craig Shakespeare to the end of the season. I'd urge caution. It, this is a big job. You know, you've got the champions of England. You've got to try and navigate out of trouble. But on the evidence of 90 minutes tonight, you're probably right. Um, but they took a long time, and it was a very, very considered to, to get rid of Claudio Ranieri when they did. They don't have a great deal of time now, really, do they? Because they've got to, they've got to get three points against Hull to, to really ease those fears. Then you're straight into Seville, and then you know the the survival sort of you know uh, fixture list continues. Um, but right here tonight, it might not be a bad move, but I just hope they assess, they assess all the options that are open to them before they do something rash. In, in some ways, although, and I'll just on, on Craig Shakespeare, um, just one. Now, aren't you almost three points ahead of possibly where you expect it to be? Because I always felt people were saying, OK, the Liverpool game, OK, we might go, but then the whole game's a big one. They've now grabbed three points from, from Liverpool and could go back to back yeah. and all of a sudden find themselves out. And the other thing with Craig Shakespeare, and you know this more than me being around the football club, he was part of the group that came up out of the championship so successfully. He was part of that, that group that went through the, the experiences of the great escape. He's been part of a title. It's almost like he's a little bit more ingrained with this group and, and has seen them through good and bad times and seen them coming out. That's, I just wonder if that might have a bearing in terms of where and how he, he may get the job. Just moving, just what, I have to move on quickly, mate, before, before we let you go. And, and, and Liverpool, because, I mean, as big a story as Leicester mm. is in, in the sacking, this was a really yeah. bad, poor night for Liverpool, who've got their own kind of ambitions of, of getting into top four in Champions League football. I mean, I was really disappointed and said to Leon Manair at the end of the game, Liverpool are a bit soft, you know. They're a bit of a soft team at, yeah. at times, Liverpool. Yeah. And it's a worry. It's a worry, all yeah. It's a massive worry. As soon as I heard that Jordan Henderson was struggling, I thought that Leicester might have a, a, a better chance. And then Lovren is still struggling with the... Uh, with the knee injury. Carvin's on the bench and he goes with Lucas and he's turning some good performances recently. Mm. It seems to me, Rob, at the moment, that if, if they're at Anfield, under the lights, against Chelsea, against mm. Manchester City, against Spurs, they are sensational. And look, they've had a, 
injury problems. You know, Coutinho was injured, and that was a huge blow. Mane went away to the African Cup of Nations just as Coutinho was coming back. That's a huge blow. Martip on the bench, sorry, out of action for six or seven games. That was a big blow in a squad that isn't deep enough to, to mount a serious title challenge. But if you go from, the, from the, the December 31st game against Man City, it was their fourth win in a row. If anyone was most likely to try and hunt down Chelsea at that point in the season, it was Liverpool. And the wheels have come off spectacularly, save for a 1-1 draw at home to Chelsea and a 2-0 win at home to Spurs. Big games, big lights, big performances. Where have they gone wrong? Well, Burnley away from home at the start of the season. Yeah. Bournemouth, that crazy 4-3 game. You know, where, what was the other one? Hull, Hull, City away Hull and Swansea. Swansea at mm. home. Yeah, Swansea at home. Leicester away. You know, forget being champions. Leicester are struggling this year. And they've, they've gone away and they've just not turned up. And if I was a Liverpool fan, I'd be furious tonight. Absolutely furious. Because now they've gone from title, potential title challenges. Now they've got Man United all over them. Now they've got, you know, chasers coming in. You know, it's going to be four out of six for the Champions League spots. And it looks like now, if you're a betting man, Liverpool, who I had in the top two at the start of the season, are going to miss out on the Champions League. And I don't know why that is. It seems to me they need Henderson on the pitch to even stand a chance. I, I think, Robbie Earl, you know, look at this Liverpool squad. that, And I, I might have said this before, that he's very, very loyal to the ones, the players that he likes. And he, he's stubborn, I think, in some ways that he said... All along, almost. I mean, there has players uh, been players that come in, but not that many that mm. that he loves his squad. That he doesn't w- believe in spending a lot of money to improve his squad. Um, Rob, it, it, I think at some point he's going to. Summer's a big one for him because I don't yeah. think they're going to finish in the top four. And I think he's just got to realise, okay, the the league, this Premier League, has stepped up a little bit. We got to start spending some real money if we want to. Uh-huh. Stay how around you, the top. How do you have Rob Clavan sitting on the bench and Lucas yeah. Levy, who can't get in your midfield three, wouldn't get in his midfield three, playing against in the hole? And Jamie Vardy, obviously Shakespeare said, get on to Lucas anytime we get it, play it in behind. Jamie Vardy was running off Lucas like he was going out of fashion. I mean, at some point you look at Jurgen Klopp and you say, you know, the left back was a situation he didn't deal didn't with, deal it, with didn't it, didn't do yeah. with it. You know, his centre back's a situation. What about strikers, didn't deal Rob? With it. Striker situation. He's got Daniel Sturridge not in, ill now, apparently on the trip. Origi on the, you know, false nines. I mean, as much as it, you know, and I think he is, is a quality manager. Questions will, will be asked, Rob, about the squad and the chemistry of his squad in terms of, you know, how it all fits together. Arlo, just on the game today, I mean, it, it looked like they were they were out for out battled. I, I agree with Robbie O's comment. It's a strong comment, but I tell you what, he's right. Mm. It, they did look soft. And when you look through the team, Lalana and Mane and Firmino and and Coutinho, you know, Lucas Klein's kind of a personality that's not a big. Li- did, did they look as as intepid? And one before you answer that, just one thing that I read from their their um, their training camp or whatever. There was an article today or yesterday and it said like uh, it went through the, the training regime of Liverpool under Klopp and they, they've been training in the evenings, they've been they've been working the socks off them like it's extra little pre season. Did you mm. think that, that maybe tiredness, fatigue from all this overtraining was uh, evident tonight? Well it's possible. Yeah, I hadn't had read that report, Bobby, to be honest with you. Um, I think soft is a good word for tonight. I really do. And, and again, I think they've got a problem here because Henderson, when you look at the, the stats, he's covered the most ground in the Premier League this season. Uh, is it the most passes, the most attempted passes, the most passes into the final third? When we've seen him on form, he's been terrific. And I know he's a player that divides opinion. Um, but I think he's a real, not yeah. just a good player, but he's a leader on the pitch. When it comes to, we're talking about player power, etc. When it comes to calling meetings in January to sort out what's going on, well, why have the wheels come off? 
it's Jordan Henderson that's calling meetings. And Jurgen Klopp says, absolutely fine. This is what I want. I encourage this. This is mature. This is taking ownership behind the scenes at Melwood. I want the lads to sit down and, and, and chat this out themselves. So we're hearing all this sort of positive stuff from, from behind the scenes. The problem for Jordan Henderson is he's got this plantar fasciitis issue, which is flaring up time and time again. It's a, it's a terribly painful condition for what I gather. And, and he's going through a particularly bad time with it as well. And I think it's vital because I look around, and they might have been tired, Rob, but you're looking around for leaders out there, mm. and there weren't any. Who was, who was in the midfield sort of geeing them all up and shouting and gesticulating and pointing, not just in a facile sort of way, just to show, but meaning it, someone that the others would listen to, and, and they were completely devoid and absent of it. So I think Henderson is vital to carrying out uh, the, the instructions for Liverpool for, just for making them a, a firmer, harder, harder working team, which, which Klopp requires. Um, it, it wasn't there today. It wasn't there. And after 16 days, there's no excuse, is there? Arlo, just before we let you go, mate, I, I'm going to want two words from you or two teams from you. There's a top four spots. There's a top six teams. Which two teams miss out? Which two teams miss out? Okay, so you've got Chelsea and Manchester City. I think the shoe-ins. I think Manchester United are on a run. I think they're going to sneak in, you know. And Spurs. So you think Arsenal Arsenal and Liverpool Liverpool miss out? Wow. Yeah. You heard it first. I sit in the back of the NBC Sports (laughs) at the KP Stadium in February. How about that, Arsenal? <laughs> Fascinating stuff from, from Leicester today. Oh, look, we really appreciate your time, mate, and staying Great, mate. behind. Thank we know you. you don't have to do that. Safe travels home. We'll speak to you soon. Um, we're going to take a quick break, after which we'll discuss the EFL Cup, an action-packed final between Manchester United and Southampton, and take a quick look at Spurs' Sunday demolition of My Sexy Stoke. Hey, everybody, I'm Carol Amano with Parker Kligerman from NASCAR on NBC. We've got a brand-new NASCAR podcast. It's called Monday Morning Donuts. Parker, what's it about? Literally everything NASCAR. But, no, more importantly, we're <laughs> going to talk about the last weekend, the news of the weekend. We're going to get into some of the things I saw as a driver that you may not have seen. And, of course, we're going to take fans' questions so we can answer some of those crazy burning ideas inside their minds. Everything is on the table. Not everything, but most well, things. most things. Yeah. All right. Don't miss a single episode Monday Morning Donuts. You can subscribe on iTunes or wherever you set your podcast for automatic downloads for your Monday morning commute. Grab your coffee. We'll see you there. Welcome back to the Two Robbies podcast. We're back and Bobby Musto, let's get to the EFL Cup final. Manchester United got the first piece of silverware this season that was handed out. Dare I say courtesy of a certain Zlatan. I mean, great game, Rob, and, and again, just shows the value of Ibrahimovic to this Manchester United team. It does. Um, we knew that, or I knew that. I've seen lots of him. I knew he was going to be a, a class. Many people player, didn't, though, Rob, did they? I know. Many people well, didn't. I think a lot of it was people that didn't, didn't know. Didn't, didn't, hasn't known him enough, haven't watched him enough in his previous clubs, what he can bring. I used to follow him in, in, in uh, Italy and in the Spanish league, and, and I knew what he had. He, he basically, he's got everything apart from speed. Everything else you can want from a footballer, he's got it. Vision, touch, skill, awareness, heading ability, volleying, uh, finishing off kind of moves, at the, the, the goal poacher, everything apart from speed. Um, and, of course, he was the main man in this game. That being said, 
I'll tell you what, Southampton were unlucky. Mm-hmm. And United were Very a bit lovely. fortunate. I mean, they won the game. I get it. But some of those decisions that went against them, the, the offside goal that mm-hmm. Gabby did that wasn't mm-hmm. allowed. Who knows what, what comes out after that? I thought the Jesse Lingard trip Robbie in the middle of the park mm. that I can't remember it was that, that continued on and didn't go down. That would have been a second yellow card for Lingard. Could have been different, yeah. That could have been different. Um, so you yes. need a bit of luck though, Rob, to win a trophy. You do. Jose, They've got it. You know, and Jose does. In fairness to him, he plays strong teams, doesn't he? In, in most competitions, he, he takes them seriously. And I'd said before, I remember seeing Jose when he first came into English football, 2004, 2005, with his Chelsea team. And I remember being in a couple of press conferences and he said how important it was to win a trophy when you go to a team. Just to bring the dressing room, just to bring a winning mentality, a bit of belief and confidence. And, you know, apparently he's the first Manchester United manager to win a trophy in his first season. He loves all those stats. He's got one under his belt already. And who's to say he might not get a second or third? I don't know, Rob. Do you know what? And uh, maybe this is not the right time to to criticise him too much and, and fair play to win the, the League Cup. Um, the focus is always on it, and they got the job done. Mm. Um, I guess w- when you see the players that they've got out there and him as manager, mm. I just think the United, I mean, they, they pretty much were outplayed for, for, for 70 minutes mm. when Southampton ran out of steam. Um, and full marks for them to come back and win in the match. But isn't how far, well, I'll ask you, how, yeah, how far yeah. off are they to a United team that you expect to be... To be they're, they're, I think they're way off. Not with this guy. Not with this guy. I, I, I think they're two big windows, two fruitful windows away mm. from being where he wants them. Changing one or two in, changing one or two out, getting the, the kind of players he wants. Would you, would you expect him to be better, Rob, given the players that he's brought in this summer window? And um, I know they're, they're, they're yeah. challenging on different... I, I still I, you know, think there's a little bit of work to do, Rob. I look at the squad. If I took him away... I'd be more worried. I think this squad has still got some work to do. I'm still not convinced with these centre-back pairings. At some point, he's going to... What, what, what do you mean? What's wrong with Bailly? Bailly, Eric Bailly? Bailly, I still think, can be a little bit reckless. And I, and the other thing is, he hasn't got a guarantee. I don't know who's his partner. Of, of all the one players there, I still don't think he's got an ideal partner. I'm not sure it's Smalling. I'm not okay. sure it's Rojo, and I'm not not sure it's... What about, what about the fullbacks, Valencia and Rojo? Yeah, Valencia and Rojo... Not convinced for title winning. We're talking about winning titles, yeah, Bob. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly I'm, 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 I'll take. I'll keep Valencia. Not sure about Rojo. I would rather see Shaw a fit and motivated Luke Shaw, but mm. that's a whole podcast for itself. What's happened to Luke Shaw? Midfield is enough with Herrera, with Pogba. Herrera enough alongside Pogba. Or yes, Carrick? yes. With with yeah. the right with the with the right setup above them. Yeah, there's there's enough there. That that can win me a title. Pogba will get better. Herrera will get better with playing and. and Getting in fluidity and rhythm, yeah, I'm okay with that. Martial, Mkhitaryan, Martial, hmm. maybe one another. I'm not, as matter the guy, as matter as matter that you know David Silva, as matter that Eddie Nazar who influences enough games, enough times of the season. I might need to go and get a number ten, and then we have to decide Zlatan, obviously. But you know, in time, year or two down the line, do we have to find a, a new version? Is Rash with the guy, or do we have to go out and go category A striker? Yeah, I don't know. You're not sure? There's a lot of work. I, I, I'm not sure what Ibra's going to do. But, but, and and the bigger him, but... picture with this, Rob, and, and you're talking, let's just say we're talking about 
two or three years. Let's say three years before United are really ready. That's too long. That's, that's eight, that's eight years. Gonna... That's eight years since they won a title. Yeah, but Mourinho won't, won't sit around. If no, ever, I know. But what, what I'm saying, year. so he goes, somebody else comes in. That's another 18 months. We could be talking eight to ten years before United win another title, if, if what you're true is saying. Yeah, listen, he might go out in the summer and he might mm. bring in the Griezmanns and, mm. and a couple of others, and you're absolutely right. And, and of course, I mean, there's so many good players there yeah. that, that it's going to be a really, really good side. It's just, I don't know, I guess what I'm saying is, I was, uh, the, uh, the open space of Wembley Stadium, mm. and we know, we've been there and what it's like there against the Southampton side that are, you know, just yeah, below mid-table, aren't they? I mean, not doing great. Side, yeah. I, I, thought, thought, I thought Southampton were fantastic. I mm. thought they were excellent, where they played their football. And I thought, well, shouldn't this United team be a little bit more controlling and dominant in this match? And I, I was just disappointed with the way that they played. I know everybody can, can throw the insults at me and like, well, they won the game and they were lifting the trophy. Absolutely right. I'm just talking about kind of bigger picture where this United team is going to end up this season because I still think... I know they're they've on a they're on a good run of results. Was it one loss in twenty five yeah. or twenty six? So I get that. I still think it's going to be hard for them to finish in the top so, four. Rob, any so, any reason why you would put them in the top four to finish? I mean, they're, they're very close, of course. I'm yeah, listen, they, they've got playing. a bit of momentum, and, and Jose does know the league. So listen, Robert. Honestly, outside of Chelsea, I, I'm I'm not convinced with anybody oh, no, outside yeah, right. of that. Yeah. I just wonder, really, Rob, just finishing on United, where does Jose's focus go? He's got his first trophy. That, that's nailed. Whether he deserves it or not, that's in, that's in the cupboard. That's on his list. Where's his focus go now? Premier League, Europa League, FA Cup big game against Chelsea. What's the, ne- what's the next priority? Is, is it all on Premier League, finishing in that top four? In terms of priorities, for me, with the Premier League, absolutely. Um and then the Europa League, and then the FA Cup, because of the Champions League situation, the qualification mm. there. And, uh, but but knowing Jose Mourinho and what he does with his lineups, I don't think there's going to be any sense of prioritisation because I think you're going to see his strongest team in the Premier League and in the Europa. And in this game against Chelsea, you're probably going to see it there too. So we talk about prioritisation a lot and, and rotation of players. Jose plays them. He plays his best mm. players whenever he can. He has a, a fantastic situation where we've tracked his injuries mm. at his clubs. He doesn't get many injuries. So that's where I would put it. Um, but I think you're not going to see anything different. He'll play his strongest team in, in every game. What was do it, you think? It was interesting, wasn't it, when the game was at two each? And I just thought the sentiments of Jose told you everything. It looked like Wayne Rooney was coming and people thought, oh, Rooney. Mm. As soon as he got the goal on it, Rooney sit down. Fellaini on you go. Like, no thing about sentiment yeah. getting Rooney on the pitch. It's about business. And... Just wonder with that in mind, Robin, just before we, we, we have a quick line on Southampton. Wayne Rooney, where, where's the sort of second, the last third of his season, this season at Manchester United? Does he play a bigger part? Does he, is he going to have to just be a bit part player? And, a bit part, isn't he? And, and then the end, is the end coming in the summer? I think so, yeah. I think it is. I think he'll... Um... I think he'll try and cash in somewhere to be, mm. to be basically uh, to be blunt with you, Rob. I think he will be a, a good guy now and the club captain to the end of the season. He'll be there. He'll get some appearances. He might get another couple of goals from substitute appearances. But I think in the summer, he doesn't want to finish his career doing this. Other players, great players, have left other clubs. We know about Gerrard and Lampard. So, you know what? Depending on, on the, the crazy money available in China, mm. I, there's obviously something there with his agent. Uh, Stretford being involved in some talks in China, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would not be surprised if he goes to China in the summer. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I think it's a little more likely than MLS, although it'd be great for him to come over to America and finish his career. He's, he's a great player and people would appreciate him maybe a little bit more 
if they could see him firsthand. Mm. Going to move on to another game on Sunday, Rob, in the Premier League, and it was Tottenham, who'd just come off that disappointment of Europa League, and you know, one, one or two people saying, well, I'm not sure about this Tottenham team. Found a Stoke City team who were um, pretty dismal, I'll have to, have to say, in the first half. Harry Kane getting a hat-trick and um, making the other goal for Deli Alley. Important day, this, for Spurs, in a game they really had to win. Yeah, it was, and it was uh, another one of those games that the reaction was there. Very strong reaction after incredibly disappointing performance against Ghent in the Europa League. Getting knocked out to them over two legs is, is, is kind of unthinkable, really, when you look at this Spurs side. But the reaction was there. Harry Kane, my goodness. I mean, what some fantastic finishing he showed in this game. Um, Best striker in the league right now. <sighs> Money, um, pound for pounds. I'm putting Zlatan. Diego Costa, I'm putting Harry Kane and Sergio Aguero in, in the hat. You'd have to throw Lukaku And in Lukaku, well. yeah, in fairness. And I'll throw Lukaku in. You, you, you're, a, you're, a, you're Liverpool and you have a chance for one of those five. Who do you take? What, what, for what time period? Zlatan's the best striker. Zlatan's right right best now, striker pound, pound for pound. What, to buy him for the future? Well, I'm talking now, right now. Like, if, if you've got one in for, for now, for... for uh, for what you see, Zlatan in a year, we don't know, and, and you know, Costa yeah. will he be here. Have you talking on form right now? You take Zlatan. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I, I think he's the best striker there in terms of now for the for the next year or so. Mm. Alexis Sanchez. Ooh. Alexis Sanchez is a is as a striker. No, but what he's got 17 goals. Oh, I'm, I'm asking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wow. just think Good. he's. He's, I mean, he's you know, not alone, not just Liverpool, but in terms of Spurs, Rob, when you try and, and we've chatted before about this, about what they lack. I mean, I just think they lack a star. I've said this before. Uh, um, Deli Ali is going to get you goals from midfield and he's great at doing that and he's a young player and the future's bright with him. I just think they still, they still lack a difference maker, a real quality footballer, um, Actually, am, amongst other things. Sorry, just before you, you finish your answer, there's one more centre forward I forgot from the list. Olivier Giroud. I forgot to oh, put him in there as a the category top. A. <laughs> He's in the category A. I forgot. Who would you have then? Who would you pick? Ooh. Right now for Liverpool up front. Right now for Liverpool up front, I'd pick Diego Costa. Mm. For his goals and his personality. You yeah, need I, a little bit of personality. Yeah, need a little personality as well, Robert, with my centre forward. But so, so Spurs, Rob, you know, yeah. with... with um, Beating Stoke 4 0 yeah, and, yeah. and going out of the it, Europa it, League. Were you back to the same question of, of yeah, what they lacked yeah, in certain yeah, games? Yeah, and, you know, and I've said no how. And, and what I find with Spurs is how they manage big moments, Rob. When the pressure's on a little bit, the pressure was sort of on against Stoke, but once the goals went in and then they played and then it became, you know, what we'd expect from Spurs. But when the pressure's on, there's something about this team that. that, that doesn't quite express itself in the right way. Doesn't quite enjoy. You know how you look at Chelsea and, 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 and the good teams we've seen, the United teams of the past and that. They've almost enjoyed those big moments. Like, OK, now we go and, and, and really hammer down our, 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 our difference, our, our speciality. With this Spurs team, I'm still not sure that there's something that- there. Does that come down to the manager? So the Pochettino's the manager, he's the coach. Could be. Listen, he's a young young coach, Rob. Maybe he hasn't been down those roads enough himself. I mean, we're looking at the players. I've not even thought of the manager, but I'm only looking at what I see on the pitch. And sometimes I see them, I see this team not quite enjoy those moments and express themselves enough. Because in terms of talent, pure talent, I think there's enough in Spurs to win a title. 
I really do. I think there's enough there. And I know in the wide areas we could be better in this and that. But I think talent-wise, there's enough in this group. So they've got to find something else. They've got to go somewhere else to start being a team. And if there's one team, and and I talked about what Jose's done at at Chelsea in the past, Manchester United here, and I think I mentioned it before, they need to win something, this group. This group needs to start believing itself and win something so that that dressing room knows the feeling, so that dressing room gets the hunger and says, that's what we're about. Now we're going to go on again and win something else. And eventually titles will come with this group if they can continue to grow and evolve. But, um, yeah, just, just uh, let me put a last line on this okay. in terms of the manager again, you know, mm. and, and I think in some ways they're a little bit like Liverpool with the way that they play. If they're, yeah. if they're flat mm. out, they're magnificent. If they're not quite flat out with that physicality, they're not the same team. But just in terms of uh, winning, we've talked about the players with the know-how. Maybe they're lacking a know-how how to win, et cetera, et cetera. What about the manager? Yeah. I mean, possibly, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure. I haven't put it past our research guys at NBC. Mm. I don't think he's won anything as a manager, by the way. I don't think he's won no, anything. No, Espanyol, sure. Southampton, yeah, uh, Spurs. That was the talk about Man United, wasn't it? He couldn't ever take a United job unless he starts, he's, he's won yeah. something. So, you know, we talk about the players' inexperience mm. of know-how of That's winning. Good point. We point. probably should start talking about the manager a little bit on that. I mean, but, but not to, to take too much away from the job that he's doing because as I watch this game, I think the development is there. This mm. club is going in the right direction. You know, it, it's just that final little bit, which which I don't think we should rush. And I don't, I would never expect there to be any sort of pressure on the manager or this team because of not delivering. Finally, let's let them develop, Rob. Let mm. them develop. They're doing great. They've done a, major, a fantastic job. Maybe they're not ready to to win. Maybe he's not. The, the whole club isn't quite ready to win. But I tell you what, they're on the path to doing that. Um, it's just obviously the, the final bit's the difficult part. Yeah, well, as ever, mate, we're going to wrap things up after a funny old few old days in the Premier League football. On Thursday, Leicester City sat Claudio Ranieri. On Monday, they returned to winning ways. Not sure what this tells us about the group of players, but remember to take part of the football conversation. Look out for our next podcast. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review the Two Robbies podcast on iTunes. The ratings help increase our ranking and visibility, which allows more football fans to discover the show. So from me, Robbie Earl, and him, Robbie Musto, and our special guest, Ola White, thanks for listening, and bye for now. Want to earn extra cash for the holidays? Amazon Flex is expanding in the San Francisco Bay Area. Opportunities in Richmond, Oakland, and Daly City. Earn around $20 to $27 an hour delivering packages with Amazon. All you need is a car, a smartphone, and some free time. This is a great opportunity to be your own boss, deliver when you want, and make extra money. With Amazon Flex, you'll have flexible hours and great earnings. To get started, download the app at flex.amazon.com. That's F-L-E-X dot You must be at least 21 years old. Limited opportunities available. Get started at flex.amazon.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. 
Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.